Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. So I've got an interesting one for you today. Some on the left have called him a white supremacist. Some on the right have called him a hero, but he's neither. Kyle Rittenhouse was just 17 years old when he went to Kenosha, Wisconsin on August 25th, 2020. His goal was to protect local businesses to potentially provide aid to those around him. And instead, he ended up in a scenario where he was fighting for his life, where he had to exercise his right to self-defense. He is innocent in the eyes of the law. Take yourself back to when you were 17. How many stupid situations did you get yourself in? Look, I don't think Kyle Rittenhouse should have gone out that day, but he was also 17 years old. I think he went out truly with the intention to protect his community. I also believe in the right to self-defense, and I believe that's what he was doing. And so does the law. What does Kyle Rittenhouse have to say about all of this? We're going to hear from him in his own words, talking about his book, Acquitted, where he tells his life story and he explains exactly what happened on both August 25th, 2020, and in the days after. Stay tuned for Kyle Rittenhouse. Well, Kyle, it's nice to meet you. I appreciate you making the time. I imagine uh, this is a busy time for you. Absolutely, Lisa. Thank you for having me on. You know, obviously you wrote this book to to give people better insight in, into who you are because, you know, you've been misrepresented in the media. But who was Kyle Rittenhouse before August 25th, 2020? Well, I talk about that quite a bit, a, a bit in my book, Lisa. Um, I talk about growing up with a drug addict dad, growing up homeless as a child, and living on government-subsidized housing while I had a mom who was working 80 hours a week so she could put food on the table. That's who I was. I was a kid who was put into unpredictable circumstances and put in challenging times and trials that we that most Americans face every day. And I wrote that wrote about that in my book. I also wrote about how I was a police explorer and a fire cadet and how I had an urge to help people. And that's essentially what brought me down to the riots in August 25th. Who are you now? How would you describe yourself now? I would describe myself today as it's a difficult question. Um, I've never been asked that one, but 
if I had to describe myself, I would say I try to live as normal of a life as possible, whatever normal means. I work a nine to five. Um, I've been doing a lot of interviews lately um, to talk about my book and to help share my story. But that's that's who I am. I'm I'm a person who wakes up in the morning and I go to work just like everybody else. What's it been like to relive all of this in, in writing the book? It's been an interesting journey. It's been it, it's been difficult at times because we, we've had to go back and watch all the videos and and relive everything that happened and watch the trial and talk about in detail my entire life. What have you learned about the media in all of this? Well, I learned that the media will say whatever they want to push their own narrative and they are watching you like a hawk 24 seven. Um, just the other day, I accidentally liked a post on Twitter from a friend of mine and Newsweek wrote a hit piece article on it just because I accidentally liked something. And I think that's absolutely ridiculous that they do that. In hindsight, why do you think you went that night in Kenosha, Wisconsin? Well, I went to Kenosha, Wisconsin to help people and provide medical aid and put out fires because I was asked to be there. With hindsight being 2020 as it always is, if I would have known I would have been attacked and put on trial and forced to defend myself, I wouldn't have gone. It wasn't worth it. It doesn't change the fact that I defended myself, but it wasn't worth it. I think one thing that doesn't get discussed as much is, you know, the, the politicians in Wisconsin failed. I mean, it should have never gotten that bad that, you know, the community should have been protected from the beginning. Why do you think that never gets focused on uh, of how these elected officials failed the community? Well, a lot of elected fi officials like to lie to their constituents and say what they want to hear and then deliver on another thing. And then they're bought out by lobbyists and paid for and essentially just do a lot of this for money when in reality it shouldn't be done for money it should be done for the people and for their best interests not for big companies and lobbyists i guess you know what have you learned about politicians through all this i learned that very few of them can be trusted and they all have their own motive and their own um their own agenda to push and that's what I've learned. And I learned you can't trust any of them and you really need to do your research on them because a lot of times they'll just say what you want to hear. Take us through in your own words, because, you know, obviously the media has painted a picture. You know, take us through in your own words what happened on August 25th, 2020. Well, on August 25th of 2020, I was there in Kenosha helping people providing first aid, and I was going to put out a fire at a CarMax that we were protecting to put out fires, and I was ambushed by several people and forced to defend myself against Joseph Rosenbaum, then chased down and had to defend myself a second time against three other attackers, one being Jump Kick Man, the other being Anthony Huber, who hit me in the back of the head with a skateboard while I was on the ground, and the third being Gage Grosskreutz, who put a gun in my face while I was also on the ground. What do you think would have happened if you hadn't have defended yourself? Oh, I'd be dead. I would 100% be dead if I didn't defend myself. Yeah, I think a lot of times in these situations, you know, it's it's hard for anyone to, to know what it's like to have to make a split-second decision. I mean, we see this with police officers very often who get condemned for using lethal force. It's It's almost impossible for people to put themselves in that situation of 
the kind of decisions you have to make in, you know, a split second. I mean, you didn't really have time to, to think about, you know, what this all would lead to. I mean, it was a split second decision you had to make. Absolutely. Everything happened within a total of like three minutes from the first shooting to when I turned my when I walked to the police line. People don't realize how fast that happened. And of course, in a courtroom, you can slow everything down and go frame by frame and go through all the details. And it seems like this was this long event when in reality, it was this very short, quick event of where I had to defend myself. You know, obviously, you said you regretted going that night. I think most people would say, you know, why was he there as a, as a 17 year old? But, you know, you were 17. Uh, not everyone makes the best decisions when you're 17 years old. I can't imagine the fear that you were going through when, you know, you, you realize that, OK, I, I'm under attack. Uh, I could die. You know, take us through that. Absolutely. So I was terrified. I knew if I didn't defend myself, I wouldn't be going home and I would be dead. And I did what I had to do to protect myself. I was scared and terrified for my life. What's it like when you you were awaiting trial, you know, not, not knowing how this jury would come down on these charges against you? I, I mean, I imagine, you know, that's just got to be so anxious and, and scary to, to be awaiting your fate in the hands of a, a jury and you have no idea which way they could go, particularly in this environment, in this world. Well, I just had to trust in God. I had to trust in whatever happened was going to happen. And no matter what, God's plan is the right plan and he would keep me safe and protected. Did you, was there any part of you when the jury came down that you, you thought that it could go in the other direction? I didn't actually think about that much. I was just, I was so no nervous for the verdict because it could have gone any direction. The jury could have voted any single way. They could have decided I was guilty or not guilty. And thank God they made the right verdict to declare me not guilty. But I didn't focus on that much because it would have just ate me up too much. You also had some civil lawsuits filed against you as well. Are, are you still fighting those? Yes, I am. I'm fighting three civil lawsuits at the moment. And you've also, you know, threatened to, to sue the media. What's the status of that on these defamation lawsuits? We looked into it. Defamation is near impossible to prove, and they consider me a public figure, so I have a higher bar to prove, and essentially the media can say whatever they want about me. You know, I think people, you know, forget, well, campaigning for president, uh, you know, Joe Biden used images of you in a, a campaign video that must have been pretty alarming for you to have seen. Oh, that ticked me off. Like to see the the former vice president, the now current president, using my face in his campaign video to gain voters and making something that was non-political political. It really ticked me off. Let's take a quick commercial break. More with Kyle Rittenhouse on the other side. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. 
it would have been, Ooh, a, been the juicy. podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Michael Rappaport, and my wife, Kibi Rappaport, starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on, but we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You had supported President Trump and attended a rally. How much of that do you think came into play in some of the public slander uh, that you've experienced? I wasn't very political before everything happened. Um, a lot of people will say I was, but I didn't really know much about politics. Um, President Trump came and supported me um, from the beginning. And that's why I like President Trump. But it didn't have a really play into why I went down there. But I think they, the media and other politicians saw it as this kid is a kid who went to a Trump rally. He's this... MAGA person, we're going to rail against him, even though I was 17. Because if I was on the other side, they would have probably came to my defense. I think what's particularly frustrating as well is, you know, those riots were following the death of of Jacob Blake, a a man who after, you know, thorough investigation, you know, he pulled a knife on police officers. He showed up at a woman's house to re-victimize her. You know, that's who these people came out to defend and to riot for. Uh, and we also have seen people like Kamala Harris praise Jacob Blake as well. Um, the gov, you know, the governor you know, Tony Ivers, uh, you know, governor of Wisconsin, you know, came out and supported him as well. So, I mean, talk about that. I didn't really pay attention to the Jacob Blake case much. I know what happened a little bit, but I was focused on my own things going on at the time. And You'll notice I, I didn't I do notice a pattern with these left leaning politicians. They come to support these violent criminals who do bad things and sometimes bad things do happen to them and we do need to support them because that's what we need to do. But when they do the bad thing, we don't need to support them and encourage them for doing bad things. Uh, Tony Evers, I, I mean, you know, we've seen uh Cases of self-defense in the country, you know, Daniel Penny, you know, currently facing trial for what happened in in New York City. Why do you think there's such an animus against 
the right to self-defense. Because I think the government wants complete control and they want to take that right from us and we can't let them. We have to vote them out and put politicians in place that will support the right to self-defense, who will support the Second Amendment and who won't throw you in prison for defending yourself. Why do you think these kinds of riots that we saw in the summer of 2020 and, you know, we're seeing some of it now, uh, you know, these pro-Palestinian riots, why do politicians, you know, allow for, for some of these violent riots to take place? I think it puts fear into other voters, voters who aren't out rioting. I think other everyday people see, oh, wow, the world is burning down. If we don't vote for this left-leaning politician, we're just going to have more riots and the riots aren't going to stop. Because if you notice a pattern, they always flare up during an election cycle. Why do you think the Second Amendment is so despised by so many Americans? That's a good question. I have no idea. The Second Amendment was written by our founding fathers and it was very intentional what they wrote. And I think it should stay that way. I think our founding fathers, they wrote our Constitution very intentionally and our politicians' jobs are to protect the Constitution and make sure that the Constitution is followed through with. But we have politicians like Gavin, Governor Gavin Newsom, uh, Newsom um, who's trying to introduce the 28th Amendment on firearms, and that essentially dissolves the Second Amendment, and that can't be stood for. That's unconstitutional. If you had to sum up everything that's happened to you, what have you learned from all of this? Learn who you can trust, learn who you let into your circle, and to always think before you do something. What's been the response from, you know, family and and having to to battle through this? My family has been very supportive during the trials and stuff. You know, and I know a lot's been made of, oh, well, you know, you're trying to to profit uh, off of this, you know, with the book. But what have been the costs and and having to defend yourself in court and then with these civil cases as well, the the financial costs. Millions of dollars have been paid to lawyers to keep me out of jail and to help fight these civil lawsuits. And I still have legal debt. What have you learned about the legal process through all of this? That lawyers are expensive. Lawyers are very, very expensive. Um, And that the legal system will try to mess with you every way possible to throw you in prison and they'll try to make it to where you can't defend yourself. And then if you do win, they'll drown you in civil lawsuits and try to bankrupt you and take every financial asset you have. Do you think, uh, you know, when people say justice is blind, is it? It can be, it can be blind in some time, in some ways. I think a lot of people, I think our court system works in an extent. It worked for me in the criminal case. Our, justice system worked. I shouldn't have been prosecuted, but the jury got it right. They looked at the facts and they didn't let public opinion or bias sway them to voting guilty. They voted the correct verdict, not guilty. But there's other cases such as Daniel Perry to where the jury voted guilty when there was an overwhelming amount of of self-defense claims in his trial. And in my opinion, I believe he acted in self-defense. If your case was tried in a different state, a different uh, part of the country, what do you think the outcome would have been? That's a good question. I thought about that a lot until the Daniel Perry situation, because I thought, hey, if this happened in Texas, I would never have been tried. But Daniel Perry, who had a similar situation, he was tried and he was found guilty. So um, 
it was a very difficult thing to see, but it made me think like, wow, maybe if this did happen in a more conservative state, I would have still been put on trial because it all depends on the DA of that county. Yeah. And, and we've seen people like, you know, George Soros trying to elect some of these progressive DAs. Uh, what do you think that means for the future uh, of the country? You know, how concerned are you about the, you know, justice system as we move forward as a country with some of these progressive DAs? Well, it's very scary. It's a very scary thing to see um, that George Soros wants to have these um, left-leaning and bad district attorneys elected because then it means that he practically has full control of the judicial system and it's scary to see. It's scary to see what will happen if that is the case and how the DAs that are elected by him will twist the law and throw innocent people in prison. Quick break. Stay with us. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Michael Rappaport, and my wife, Kibi Rappaport, starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on, but we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Some on the right have, you know, sort of made you a, a folk hero to some degree. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I'm not a hero at all. Um, I'm not a hero. I'm not a villain. I'm just a person. 
you know, and, and talking to you and, and seeing, you know, your interviews and, and reading up about you, there does not seem to be any case to be made that you went there that night looking to harm people or, or looking to, you know, kill people or, or, or anything like that. What's the toll on a human being to, to have to take the life of another person? Well, I deal with emotional trauma every single day. I deal with PTSD and nightmares and anxiety when I go out into public. It's a huge toll that a lot of people don't realize. Are you seeking therapy and and trying to work through that? There are some people I talk to and there are ways that I do work through this. I have a service dog who has been a great help and he comes with me everywhere. Um, You probably hear him in the background. He's moving around, ready to go outside and play some ball. Dogs are sent from God, I think. We, we don't we don't deserve them. They're I have a dog as well. They are yeah. amazing creatures. They're amazing creatures. What do you want for the rest of your life? Obviously your life's been turned upside down. Obviously, this is not the life you, you thought you would have. What do you want to do with your life? I just want to live free from harassment. I just want to live my life and live free from people harassing me and um coming up to me and like just move on that's that was the goal with the book is to get my story out there once and for all and just to be able to move on after these civil lawsuits i think most people you know look i i I work in the public eye and i certainly have not experienced the kind of harassment that you've experienced but i don't think most people understand kind of what that is like uh you know take us through what you've had to experience in, in terms of that harassment Um, in terms of that vitriol being aimed in your direction? I've experienced good and bad harassment. Um, I've experienced death threats, a countless number, almost every single day. Um, I experienced people coming up to me when I had my mouth filled with food um, at a restaurant, asking to take pictures. Um, I was out with a friend yesterday, and we were out at the beach, and playing with my dog in the water and I've had people come up to me there. It's just very difficult to go outside and to not be recognized. You've done a lot of interviews so far on the book and there's been a lot written about it. Is there anything people are missing that you want to get out there that you wish people would report on from the book and from your life? Yeah, the left-wing media keeps reporting on the book in a way that is terrible and they haven't even read the book based on reading their articles. So I encourage them to read the book because they got a lot wrong, especially MSNBC. Their article they wrote a couple days ago is absolutely ridiculous, saying I'm doing this for political power. If you just picked up the book and read it, you would know that this isn't about political power. Well, I did almost accidentally call MSNBC, MS13 a few times on uh, Fox by accident, but maybe, <laughs> but maybe somewhat accurate. Yeah, I, yeah, because I mean, you, you faced an onslaught of character assassination by so many people. What's it like to be labeled something you know you're not? It's aggravating. I see it every single day. I have constant media attacks, and it's just disgusting that the media can say some stuff, say the stuff about me and just get away with it. Like, they just constantly double down and say these terrible, terrible, false lies about me. And I think they know their lies and then they label it as opinion, but it still hurts my character and still makes people want to hurt me or attack me and puts my safety at risk. Is there anything else you'd like to leave us with before we go? 
Well, Lisa, I just want to say thank you for having me on to discuss my new book. Um, if anybody's interested in ordering a copy, you can go to RittenhouseBook.com and pre-order a copy. You can also pre-order a signed version where I'll be hand-signing every single copy that's shipped out that's pre-ordered for sign. Kyle Rittenhouse, appreciate you taking the time to talk about your new book, Acquitted. Thank you, Lisa. That was Kyle Rittenhouse uh, talking about his new book, Acquitted, and, and talking about what he went through at the young age of 17. He was 17 then. I want to thank you at home for listening every Monday and Thursday, but you can listen throughout the week. I want to thank my producer, John Cassio, for putting the show together. Until next time. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.